This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey began as a luxury day spa in Austin, Texas, and has since grown to include eight locations across Texas and Los Angeles, California, as well as a line of bath, body, and skincare born from the spa. Milk and Honey sources and uses the safest possible ingredients in both their spa treatments and product lines, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. I recently went to their Brentwood location to treat myself to a spa day. In addition to having a wonderful and deeply therapeutic massage, I really appreciated how peaceful and relaxing the spa environment is. The lounge that is available for guests pre and post treatments felt like a little sanctuary and retreat away from the outside hustle and bustle of LA. We are so excited to now be able to offer our listeners a discount at all milk and honey spas, including both LA locations in Culver city and Brentwood. We are even more excited to partner with them to offer a spa package called the courageous wellness retreat, a 60 minute milk and honey signature massage, which is a Swedish massage tailored to your needs focusing on relaxation and stress relief combined with body brushing an exfoliating and detoxifying treatment that uses a natural bristle brush that you get to take home to stimulate your lymph and circulation while also reviving dull skin. And for all our listeners in any location, their online boutique offers products from the milk and honey line and from other top brands, including Osea Malibu, super goop, Virtue, Moon Juice, Kula Sun Care, and more. Courageous Wellness listeners can enjoy 20% off your next order at milkandhoney.com and 20% off your first spa service at any Milk and Honey location with code CW Podcast. Visit milkandhoneyspa.com to find a location near you. And if you want to try the Courageous Wellness Spa package at a special discounted rate, use the code Courageous Wellness Retreat to redeem. This is not able to be combined with any other discount or promotion. And you can find all this information in our show notes. Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French, and this is a podcast about individual journeys within wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches and together with our community are learning to live our most purposeful lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness and empower you to feel your absolute best. And because we want to bring forth a wide variety of stories, the opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect our own, but we hope the diverse and varied stories will empower you to make the best choices for your own life. So join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness.
Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of Courageous Wellness. We have a wonderful conversation with Tara Murphy that I am so excited to get to and re-listen to because it's full of a lot of good, juicy information on financial wellness. But before we get to that, we are going to do our weekly updates. And Allie, why don't you kick us off this week and tell us what's going on with you? Yeah, well, I am. I was fortunate enough to get to go to visit my mom last weekend for her birthday. And um, she lives down in Florida. And man, was it hot. Um, Like, I think that with the uh, humidity factor, it was like 101 degrees or something when I was there. Um, But it made me really think about how much I value and how much my life has changed. Oh, and by the way, what I'm about to say is not sponsored content. We actually don't have any sort of um, deal or relationship with these guys, but like Element, if you know about Element, the electrolyte brand, I am a true evangelist. Ask many people that I've coached that are friends in my family. I mean, it's been life-changing and they really lean into sodium um, and potassium and magnesium as the primary minerals uh, that they have. So it's it's very salty tasting, but they also link all these studies on their website about, I think there's a real preconceived um, notion about sodium and uh, its connection to heart health. And I really encourage anybody who's like you know, cautious around it to actually go read these studies because the findings are um, pretty remarkable. And oftentimes we need more than we think we do. And not all sodium is considered equal. So like table salt is not the same things as like very mineral rich Celtic salts or Celtic sea salts or anyway. So the point is I drink element and I become a different human being. I mean, the level of cellular hydration that it helps me get it's like, it's, I I mean, it's so funny. It's actually life-changing because it's mood changing. It's energy changing. And sometimes we don't even realize we're dehydrated. Yeah. And, um, and we are like, I think as a country, I read a statistic. I don't remember what it exactly is, but most Americans are dehydrated on the cellular level. And so if you find you're also drinking a lot of water, but it doesn't really feel like it's making a difference add one pack of element and it will it will perk you right up let me put it that way especially when we're sweating a lot the heat really reminded me of that when i was in florida sweating a lot exercising a lot just do it oh it's the best i just ordered like two boxes of grapefruit salt mm. it's, it's a seasonal one they only do it during the summer and it's so good it kind of tastes like a paloma so. I love it. You turned me on to Element and um I love the citrus. Yes. And citrus love... kind of tastes like a margarita. Yeah. And I love the raspberry. I think the mm. raspberry is really good. It's, like, it's good. Yeah. I really I even like me on the to chocolate. Element. I even like I do the not. chocolate. I know. My <laughs> husband doesn't like it either, but I love it. It's it's chocolate salt. Um they have many, many different flavors. And what we also love about it is that it doesn't use sugar. So a lot of these electrolyte brands have a lot of sugar in them yeah, um, and artificial ingredients and check out element. I think they do 
If you go to your web, their website, I think they do like a sample pack too. So that might be a good way to get started if you want to give it a try. Try all um, the flavors. Let us know what you think. Again, <laughs> not sponsored, just crazy big fans. Yeah. Allie so, turns everyone on to Element. It's her I favorite do. thing to talk about. You yeah. know what? It really gets, I was going to say it gets me through the summer, but it gets me through my days. Like, yeah. It really made a difference, especially as someone who enjoys that. Like I do have a shot of espresso every morning, like, which isn't a ton of caffeine, but you know, I'm not, um, like I do drink a glass of water before it now, but like we wake up dehydrated. Then if you add some caffeine into that, that's even more dehydration. It's just an easier way to help make sure you're getting some quality hydration during the day. So yeah. That's my like little wellness fun trend update that I'm enjoying and continue to enjoy. What about you? What's going on with you? I love that. I, well, I shared in a, probably a couple intros ago now that I started running and I heard an intuitive call to start running. And I'll talk about this more. We're going to do a solo episode in August. So I'll probably talk a little bit more about this, but I am loving running and I'm up to, so I downloaded this like running app, um, to help me. And I am doing this program called, I think it's called couch to 5k, yeah, which was I've me. I've never run before and I'm up to eight minute intervals. So my run, it's like 30 minute runs and it's five minute walk, eight minute run, five minute walk, eight minute run, five minute walk. And I can't believe I'm doing an eight minute run interval. And it's been like about five weeks. So it took me about five weeks to get here and I love it and I crave it. And it's actually changing. Talk about heat. It's been so hot in California. Like it's finally summer, summer, even by the beaches, it's in the eighties. Starting to get warm. Yeah. It's starting to get really warm. And, um, in the valley and neither of us live like in the heart of the valley, but you know, in the valley, it's like over a hundred degrees, which is insane. Um, but it gets really hot. And I, so it's been really helping me also kind of get back into a great morning routine. Cause I have to run around like 30 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's too, it's too much during the rest of the day. So, um, yeah, I'm really loving it. And it's just a reminder again, like, I had been hearing, I'd been like hearing this little voice in my head to start running. And I'm so glad I listened. And I have my, my little run playlist full of, um, great music, mostly Taylor Swift, which Allie doesn't listen to, but I love it. And, um, yeah, it's great. I'm enjoying it very much. So that's my update. And again, we do have a solo coming out in a couple weeks where we're going to dive into more things, um, we're enjoying and what's been on our mind. So look out for that. But you know, we do have a great episode today. Yeah. Um, And um, before we get to it, I just want to remind everybody that this episode is brought to you by Milk and Honey. Milk and Honey has some wonderful uh, physical spa locations all over Texas, two in LA, one in Chicago. You can get uh, 20% off any of their spa services with code CW podcast. So check them out. They do awesome facials, massages, all of that good stuff. And then they also have a great online boutique. They carry their own hyper clean product lines. Um, and also other brands that we enjoy like super goop, Osea Malibu. So check them out at milk and honey online as well. And, uh, also the code CW podcast gives you 20% off your order there. So with that, do you want to get to the episode? 
Yes, let's do it. So today we have a really great conversation full of tangible tips and tricks on financial wellness with Tara Murphy. Tara is currently living her dream life and has become the go-to person for finance, travel, and passive income information online. Through her online program, one-on-one private coaching clients, and free online resources, Tara works to teach women how to take advantage of investing in the stock market. With her background in investment banking, Tara has had significant transactional experience as well as experience working in capital markets, M&A, business structuring, strategizing with startups, and building corporate valuation. Her true passion lies with making finance and investing more relatable and fun for women. Managing your finances properly can really change your life, shave years off your retirement age, and really allow you the freedom and options that you deserve. Today, we have a great conversation with Tara with tangible tips on investing, perfect for people of all ages. We hope you enjoy. Before we get to today's episode, we want to tell you a little bit about the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Erica and I are both certified integrative health coaches. I have advanced training in hormone health, and she has advanced training in gut health. And we offer health coaching and corporate coaching through the Courageous Wellness Collective. We continued our education and received certification through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. IIN has taken the lead in the health coaching industry from its inception and provides a comprehensive curriculum that combines nutrition, coaching, and business. We loved the program and have had many listeners ask us about continuing their education in nutrition, health coaching, or even just advancing their personal knowledge about food and nutrition. So we are very excited to be able to offer a discount to Courageous Wellness listeners to study at IIN. The program is completely accessible virtually with lectures led by health, wellness, and medical industry experts. To receive up to $2,500 off your tuition, you can use our names, Allie French or Erica Stein, at the time of enrollment to receive the tuition discount. We have also included a link in the show notes that will take you directly to IIN to learn more about their wonderful programs. Thank you, Tara, for joining us today. I know Erica and I are really looking forward to having this conversation with you. Um, Just to get started, can you share with our audience a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, and how that um, brought you into the world of finance and financial wellness? Yeah. So, uh, hi, everybody. My name is Tara Murphy. I am from Toronto, but I've been spending the last three years, most of the time in the winters in Mexico. The pandemic happened and my little box in Toronto was really depressing and not doing it for me. So I made a change and thank God for that for me, because otherwise financial world is not one where you can just pick up and go. So that was a blessing for me to be able to kind of migrate what I needed in my life and still hold my job and help people. So I work at an investment bank in Toronto and um, about four or five years ago, I actually spoke on a panel at a wellness event in Toronto and I thought, Oh, nobody's going to like what I have to say. It's money. It's boring. It's like financial health. But after that, the young people and women really found value in it. And I realized okay, we aren't taught this in school. It's not something that our parents talked about. There's a lot of room for growth in the financial health and wellness space. And just like money in general, if you are stressed about 
finances all the time, your body will feel that. So um, back then I didn't have any platform to help people or coach or support women or young people. So since then I've grown my own little consulting business. I do the podcast like this. I have an investing core online platform. I have two assistants now that help me manage that time so that I can coach women and coach people. And then I still work at the bank and I have an Airbnb business and I have a million things on the go, but I do these sort of things because I really want to bring the conversation of financial health, wellness, and remind women and, and young people that you have the power and control to take what you're earning, whether you hate your job, it's still giving you energy in the form of money, you know, that you can snowball and redirect to make it a positive impact for your life. So that's kind of been my mission on the side of helping people with the knowledge that I have. And now I'm old enough that I feel confident in what I've done to be able to share. So, so I do. Thank you. That's really cool. And I think I'm, we're very excited to have this conversation and yeah, we've done two, I think financial wellness episodes before one was probably the earliest days of our podcast. I'd say like 2018 early. And then we did one in 2020, right at the start of the pandemic about, and it was very pandemic focused and it was a really wonderful episode, but I'm excited to have this conversation with you because I feel like finances can be a really intimidating thing for people to talk about. It's really scary. It's not something we're actively taught unless we were fortunate enough to have parents who taught us or sought out the education ourselves. And so Can you share with us a little bit too, if you're comfortable, what is your own financial wellness journey, right? So you mentioned that you were an investment banker and, or you are, and you know, you've been in this financial world. What was kind of that journey for you to land there as well? Because, um, as you mentioned, this isn't necessarily something that young people and a lot of women really seek out. Yeah. So I, I grew up in Windsor, Ontario And I moved to Toronto when I was 18, took finance classes. I, when I was younger, I saw people have money and other people don't. And my family kind of struggled. I came from teachers and even teachers, like I have coaching clients who are teachers and I asked them, okay, where are we getting started? How much do we know about finance? And it's like slim to none. And these are people teaching our children and you don't expect them to know because they weren't taught, but I noticed very young that there is credit and it's like plastic at a store. It's not money. And there are savings accounts and some people drive these cars and these, it wasn't material that really got me. It was conceptualizing money. And that was confusing to me as a kid. So I tried to figure it out and I started in university taking finance classes and I would invest my OSAP money to see like, okay, what's going to happen in the next few years? And I worked in university. So my journey was kind of, I want to figure this out because I see it. And I didn't understand anything about founder shares or taking companies public or investment banking. And then I got into the space and it was like a light bulb. Like, this is how the wealthy people get wealthy. This is how people take risks. And everybody's different. And your last guest was 2020 mid-pandemic. And here, three years later, it's like a very different conversation we're having, but same principles as far as making sure that you're financially stable apply, whether it's pandemic, recession, it's the most fruitful time in the markets. 
I really wanted to never struggle. I really wanted to make sure I could support and help myself and my family. So it came from a place to me of like, okay, I see what's happening. I need to understand what's going on. And then now I'm in my 30s and has been, you know, 12, 13 years since I made my first investment. And I'm starting to really see it snowball and make a difference in my life and people that I have worked with. So I have more confidence now to be able to talk about, okay, this is what I've learned. These are do's and don'ts. You know, these are things that you should take risks on. These are things you shouldn't. And I feel that my journey has has been one of like, you figure it out and you you take the risks that other people tell you you're crazy to do if it feels right for you. You know, have you guys talk about courage all the time and not listening to people call me crazy and say like, investing your student loans, what? And I did it and everything, it worked out for me. So I think that's why I try and loop in now to whether you're 20 and want to work with me or 50. It's the same concept of being in control of your finances and comfortable with where you are is what's important. I think, yeah, you bring up a lot of good points, but one of the things that just kind of struck me is the in control of your finances, (laughs) because I think because of an intimidation factor or the lack of education around it, I think people want to bury their heads sometimes in the sand. And, um, just as like, a coping, like, Oh, I don't want to think about that. Or, but like, there's then we don't be, we're not able to then develop like, um, short-term, midterm, long-term sort of visions for ourselves. If you're just living in the day to day and listen, like, I know a lot of people don't even have the luxury to like think beyond the day to day because, you know, it's like survival mode. And unfortunately you mentioned like how the wealthy get wealthier. And like, oftentimes there's such a a gap. Um, there's so much disparity in our country. I know, you know, in the Western world in general. And so that all kind of being said from a, from a sort of like a mindset point of view, if someone just wants to like that concept of taking control of your finances, if someone feels out of control with their finances, regardless of their age or where they are in life, like what is the first sort of like mental step that you might suggest um, in order to face reality (laughs) so that people can then kind of start to become more courageous or start to become more educated, even just courage around the education, I think is a huge part of it. So can you talk a little bit about that? If someone's listening and they're like, oh, well, it's just like, yeah, but my situation is X, Y, or Z. What's that first thing that you might suggest to like get through that um, maybe mental barrier? Yeah, that's a really good question because there I can sit and talk about the investment banking and take money and do this with it. And some people don't have money to take and do things with. And that's how most people feel. And there's a huge mindset shift that comes into, okay, you said it when you said most people don't look. First thing you need to do to understand where you are and what your goals are going to be is you need to look at what's going on. Whether it's horrible and you're like, I have been on a bender for two years and like, okay, Tara, like time to get it together. You just need to be honest with yourself about this is where I am right now. This is my reality. How can I make small changes in my life, whether it is just to make different purchasing decisions for yourself or to just open your bank statements and go through, okay, wow, I'm paying for good life and I don't go to good life. 
Like even those small little adjustments, they're huge wins mentally in the beginning because you're taking the time to understand what's going on in your financial situation. And step one is understanding because once you know yourself and what your vices are and what your situation is, you can then plan for the future. And a lot of people don't ask themselves, what do I want? What do I want in three years, five years, 10 years? People are just buried in the sand, going to work, making money, paying bills. They don't stop to think about, okay, okay, take a deep breath. More life can be lived than just work home, work home, work home and struggle in between. So what I love to do with people is like, take a beat, take a pause. There should be no guilt or shame in what you've done with your finances in the past, what your parents have done, what you're going to do in the future. These are choices that you've made and we can own them and move on and make changes if we want to. But there is really no reason that anybody needs to feel self-conscious, guilty, shameful about a purchase, about something they haven't done yet. Because the point of people sitting down and understanding that, okay, I did that, but now I'd like to make a change or I wouldn't. I just know that this is me. And so this is what I need to sustain that lifestyle. That becomes control. And feeling that sense of I am choosing this for my life and my finances is immediately the shift that people need mentally to understand, okay, I also have the control now to make other decisions with my money. And cutting out words like I can't or I'm broke. You know, I hear a lot of people, I have a little cousin who's like, I can't invest, Tara. I just got a master's and I'm poor and I'm a student. And okay, but like, I see you buy your Lululemon pants and I see you go out and spend $400 on shoes. And I see no judgment, but for you to say I'm broke and I can't, like that's not broken can't. There are actually people who can't. So own that right now, it's not the time for me to do that. I want these boots and these Lululemon pants, but maybe next year I'll redirect to save and invest. So start to like own your choices and dictate what happens with the, the energy and the money. And then I think people start to be like, okay, I might want to make a choice because I have the choice to do that now. That's really great. And I love that you said that because I am that friend. Like when I hear my friends say things like, oh, I'm broke or something negative, I will straight up call them out and I'll be like, don't put that like, that's just not true. Don't put that energy out there. Right. Exactly. Like you said, you might not choose to spend your money in a certain way right now because you're choosing to spend it in a in another way. But like the language we use around money is so I think the language you use in general is so important. And you mentioned a few things about like you mentioned energy earlier. Right. And I hear a lot in um spiritual places and woo places around money. Right. They're like, well, money is just energy. So, you know, don't just save spend because it's energy. Can you talk a little bit about that noise too? Because I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know enough about it, but right, like this whole concept of money is energy, when to save, when to spend. I love everything you've said so far, right? About like sometimes our priorities are in a more spend driven place. Sometimes they are in a save driven place. But how do you feel about that whole almost spiritual financial wellness conversation around money as energy? Yeah, so I come from a, a numbers background and I'm the only woman at my investment bank. I'm the youngest person. So any room for woo-woo is kind of like, okay, Tara, like leave it at the door because we're we're numbers driven. But 
there's also a huge part of me that has a woo-woo side to pair with the reality and rationale of the numbers to match. You can't feel broke for your whole life and expect really abundant choices to come. You just, you can't be in like a depressive state of scarcity all the time mentally in order to attract more money and thus make better choices with your money. So yeah, if I pray for a house, it's not going to show up at my doorstep. You know, I need to go get a broker and go look at a house. And I have properties because I did something, not because I wished for them. But cultivating and creating a, a mindset and a lifestyle that means like, there's no limit, I can do what I want, I can ask for what I want, and I can figure out a way to get it is something that I really try and bring in. Now, do I love the 100% like, let's sit and meditate about money? No, but what I like to incorporate that into students and clients that have huge money blocks? Yes, because I feel like they need to get out of their heads. And sometimes you can only get out of your head if you say it enough. I am abundant. I am wealthy. I am deserving. So I kind of meet somewhere in the middle. And that's why for me, I love working with different people because some people have zero spiritual side to them. And they're like, Tara, what do I do? And there's like no room for being like, okay, you need to change the way you're thinking. Other people come to me and they're all about, please help me with overcome these blocks that I have to earning and feeling deserving and worthy. So taking both sides of that coin and kind of marrying them into, okay, you have to actually go out and make the steps to buy a house, but know that you deserve it and the right one's going to come is kind of a beautiful balance of you're being realistic, but you're also open to everything that can come your way. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think, you know, it's like, it's like anything where it's, oftentimes, yes, like in order to achieve certain things, we need to set tangible goals and also start with where we're at and and face that. Um, and oftentimes we can talk ourselves into and out of anything. And so getting the mind in the place where it can be supportive of the actions that we want to take, you know, is really valuable too. So um, one thing you mentioned that I, I think is really something to spend like a moment on is um, asking pe- having people ask themselves what they want for their lives. And this, I guess, gets into like the energy of the money a little bit, but it's like, what is important to us um, and being conscious of that. And there's a component of that, which you also kind of gave a good example of when you were giving the story about your your cousin at that time in in their life, um, you know what's important right now maybe the maybe the Lululemons, but I think because we live in a culture that's so um, driven by consumerism, sometimes you know we don't have a, an awareness that connects our like day to day behavior with. The fact that like making small shifts could actually help us with our larger goals in the future. And um, so I guess my thought is like, if someone says like, yeah, I really want to be able to buy a house someday, you know, or thinking of kind of bigger things that that's like a money specific one. Like you need, you need financial resources to build a house or to buy a house. But um, 
if they have other things like you travel or live a certain kind of lifestyle, can you talk about how like people can identify these things and then also understand that the small habits are connected to the long-term bigger um, goals? And like, if you basically, I guess this is like a long way of saying like, could you walk us through like a hypothetical exercise or something that you conversation you might have with a client who maybe hasn't articulated those goals yet because they don't think they're necessarily financial. Yeah. And this is something that's like a travesty, I think in school systems and people like I asked my mother who just turned 60, like, what do you want? She came to Mexico for my birthday this year. And I always ask like, if mom, if you could have you know, a lake or an ocean or a rooftop pool. Like, what do you want? And she's like, well, where would you be? You know? And I'm like, no, you, like, what would you want? And she's 60 and has still not learned. Ask yourself, like, ask yourself, what would make you happy or happier? So I think this is like a travesty where nobody has been encouraged to ask themselves because it comes across selfish or self-absorbed or materialistic who cares? Like what would make you sing and make you happy? And I think, you know, people make all the fun now all the time of like the coffee example. If you don't go to Starbucks and you make coffee at home, like $7 is really going to change your life. Okay. It might not change your life. I would argue that if you invested that every day that over 30 years, yes, it would, but you know, that's not what the woo woo people are going to talk about. And people make fun of that as like, that's not the answer. It kind of is because if you are making a choice for yourself to make coffee at home and make other choices and break habits, like why do you even go to Starbucks? One of my clients was like, Tara, I realized I went just to escape work and go for a walk and leave. And then I ended up buying lunch there and it made me feel good. She's like, now I stop going there and I just go for a walk and I listen to a podcast and I feel better about myself and my day. So asking yourself, like, why do I make these choices if they're small? It's not going to change everything in your financial situation, but you might feel a little happier. You might feel a little more in control. That's a win for you that you feel good about. Intrinsic value is important as, as is material. And the beautiful thing about me traveling a lot, like, I don't know how much you know about me, but my passion is not things. I've been like 40 plus countries. And you can only bring a carry-on and a luggage. Like you cannot travel with X, Y, and Z. So it makes the choices easier for me. And you said it before, Ali, you said prioritizing your life really comes down to what you want to spend on and what you want to purchase. And that's what I love about finance is once I start working with people and I have intake forms for them to fill out and they have to write down, what are my goals? What do I want? What do I want? Where are my challenges? Money makes you prioritize things because you spend on what you'd like to spend on. It tells me a lot about a person based on their financial choices because that's what they prioritize. So for me, with my travel journey, I have learned like anything over 50 pounds isn't going to bring value to my life. So it, it's easy for me to make a decision to cut things out and to spend more on experiences. That's not to say I'm doing it right. That's what I value. So I think talking about little things like that and understanding what you want out of this life helps you make those choices financially because I'll cut those things right out because I can't bring them with me. So it's all starting with who are you? What do you value? What do you want? Look at your financial situation and 
how can you plug into what you'd like the best kind of strategic game plan for your life while you can sleep easy and have money and know you're going to be fine. So I think it's different for every person. We are so excited to offer our listeners a new discount to one of the best probiotic supplements on the market, Seed. If you are a regular listener of the podcast, then you know that Ali and I are both very serious when it comes to the importance of gut health and building a thriving microbiome. I personally have been using Seed for close to a year now and have noticed a big difference in my digestion and bloating. I am devoted to taking seed every single morning before food, and I'm really excited to share their daily symbiotic with our audience. The formulation of the daily symbiotic combines a probiotic and prebiotic is vegan and gluten-free and includes 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains, not found in yogurt or fermented foods and beverages, and lives up to the highest standards for human and planetary health. Yes. And in addition to being a really reliable probiotic and prebiotic supplement, Seed is committed to creating science-based education for all those that partner with them through accountable advertising at Seed University. This is where we are all committed to not spreading misinformation about health on the internet. Pretty important, right? Also, I personally love their commitment to sustainability with a refill system and all recyclable or biodegradable packaging materials. Erica and I only advertise products that we use and feel are of benefit to us and by extension could be of value to our community as well. If you would like to order seed daily symbiotics to incorporate into your own gut health routine, go to seed.com and use the code courageous 15 at checkout for 15% off or click on the link in our show notes. It's really empowering the way you talk about it as well. And it really removes, I think this element of shame. A lot of people feel around their finances and their financial priorities, right? Because, um, that's all it is. It's like, if you want to go to Lululemon and go to Starbucks every day, that's your financial priority. And that's great. And if someone wants to travel, that's their financial priority. And that's great. And if someone's saving to buy a house, et cetera, et cetera. And I think what's so empowering too, is like, you're talking about even the Starbucks example of so many people just go every day because it's part of a routine and it's so mindless. And I found whenever I feel icky about my spending or when I I feel, and that's energy, right? But whenever I feel energetically off about my finances, it's usually when I'm being mindless and not mindful. So I think what you're talking about, and it seems like the way you work with their client, with your clients is to become really mindful about your spending habits and the things that you want and desire. And I love that you also work with women of all ages because I, I imagine someone could be listening to this conversation and I'd love to go into investments a little bit too, because I feel like that's so, um, it can be intimidating as well in a different way. Um, like you mentioned, how can I take that $7 a day from Starbucks and invest it into something, right? I definitely want to go there. But before we get into that, if anyone is already listening and they feel behind in some way, what would you say to anyone who feels behind and is that even real? Can we be behind or is it always just kind of a new starting point? Yeah, that's a really good question. You make so many good points. I always compare it to like healthy eating, 
or gym or what you do with your body. Because we go to a restaurant with friends and we pick something different to order and nobody looks at their friend and is like, oh, that, like the audacity that you would order that. Or you have two drinks and I have none or you have five and nobody has that judgment with each other when it comes to food or like you go to that gym seven days a week. Oh, you don't, you must be like a shitty version of yourself. There's no comparison like that in our lives. Everybody's fridge has different food in it. It doesn't mean that you or I or somebody else we're all consuming right for our body. We're feeding ourselves. It looks different. And there's less shame around that almost than what you do with your money and how you spend your time. So if I didn't start to go to the gym at 20 years old and now in my 30s, I'm like, okay, I need to pick it up a little. I'm noticing like my body is different. Nobody is going to look at me and say like, well, you're too late. You know, you can't start working out now. So it's the same sort of concept I feel like with money. And no, there's no never a, a time when you're behind because if you're cognizant and you're like, I want to take control of my finances, I'm done with my head in the sand and you're 55 years old, good for you, because it's better that you do that at 55 than not do it ever. So I feel like younger people, do they have an upper hand? Yes. And that's why I think we should be talking about this more to our children and in schools, because they have it easy. You know, they have it easy, you put money in an account, and you just do nothing. And you wait and, and you have like a shoe in. For us, as we get older, it's not as easy, but it's just as easy of a decision to make a change in your life. And I think when you were talking about people and choices and shame and guilt, I'm heavy, heavy on alignment. What I do with my finances, and I purchased property when I was young because I travel and I wanted the rental income and whatever, that was aligned for me at the time. Some people purchase other things in their life or put money and capital into their small business. That aligns with them. So I feel like you know for sure when you make a purchasing decision and you're not aligned with it, you know that. Like you, nobody has to tell you that. You know that. It doesn't feel right. If you're like, I want that new car. And you're like, I didn't even like that one. I just, you know, wanted it to be new. You know when that happens. So I feel like making sure that you're aligned with what you're doing with your money is like number one subconscious how to feel like you're not behind because you're never going to feel regretful if it's something that you're aligned with and you own that decision and purchase. So I think alignment when it comes to finances is really important. It's the same in relationships. If you're not aligned with your partner on certain things when it comes to spending, saving, whatever habits, they don't have to mirror each other, but if one person's not spending with alignment and the other person is, there's room for argument and debate and stress in that space. Yeah, really good points. And um, so to kind of take it into the sort of investment uh, talk, um, if someone is interested in exploring investing for the first time, there's so many ways to do it. Um, how, but but because of also like, you know, the diversity of investments out there, how would you suggest, are there any resources, any things that you would suggest that people start to just kind of like explore for themselves before making decisions about where they might want to um, take risk, whether it's, it's a lower risk investment or a higher risk investment? 
Yeah, so I um, I have a resource guide in my bio. It's free, and it kind of goes over some basic things you want to ask yourself before you begin investing. It gives you things like a five-minute budget. Okay, let's work out what our numbers are. But I think using little tools, like getting started to understand your situation is step one. Because even when I work with somebody new, session one is like, okay, let's talk about challenges you have, goals you have, what's our situation, how much do we think we have a month to allocate? And depending on your goals, if you're family planning or buying a house in four to six months, we're not going to put 100% of what you have left over every month in investments. We're not. We're going to come up with a plan where let's invest long term. So we'll take a chunk and invest long term that we don't pay attention to. But let's come up with a sound plan for you based on your goals. And that's the thing with finances now online and resources. There's so much out there and it's not meant for you. Like same as diet plans. Like I'm celiac. Everybody puts together meal plans. Well, I can't eat that. That doesn't work for me. And that kind of stuff is what clouds and makes people feel overwhelmed and stressed about investing because really it's not made for you. So you have to look and see budget is number one. And that doesn't mean like allocating every dollar you make. It means understanding what's going on with the situation. I think the underlying factor of our whole podcast is like understand what's happening in your situation. And then there's so many places to go from there. But step one is understanding what's happening, what's coming in, what's going out, give yourself some wiggle room if you have a few nights out or you have a few weddings to go to. But then there's a number at the bottom, there's a number. And based on what you want to do with your life and your goals, that number is going to be divided into savings, short-term investment, long-term investment, or I need this right now. So it's going into my debit account because I have a baby coming in two months or what have you. So that bottom line number, allocating that looks different for every person based on your goals, but you'll know, like, do I have a big decision coming financially in the next six months? Then you don't put as much into investments. You just put long-term, the rest can stay. If you don't have anything happening in the next one to two to three years big where you might need all of that capital, then we can do a short-term investment, a long-term investment, automate it, and we're done. It doesn't have to be an active day trading situation. Most Canadian banks, US too, but the Canadian banks are really great with setting up automated investments. So a lot of times in my intake form, I, I have a section that says, who do you bank with? And it's TD, Scotia, RBC, whatever, Tangerine sometimes. And I prep for our session investments in your home bank that are safe, great long-term. We go through them and their differences so that when you're done, you can make a choice, what feels right to you, go to the bank, set it up one time, and you're going to see like hundreds of thousands plus millions in like the 30-year span with as little as like two to $300 a month. So knowing where to place it, also important because I can take two funds from, let's say, TD Bank, and one goes in Canadian stocks and equities, one goes in US stocks and equities. The difference over 30 years is going to be like a million dollars because unfortunately, the Canadian market doesn't grow the same as US does. So a lot of people just don't realize like one little tweak, if we picked this one that was Canadian you might end up with like 700,000 at retirement. If you pick this one that was US, same amount of money every month, let's say $300, you're going to end up with almost 1.8, $1.9 million because you chose 
something different. And that's the kind of stuff that you could break it down into a million places. But when you're talking about going through your bank, it's pretty low risk. It's automated for you. You don't have to go through agony to choose and people manage those funds for you. So it's kind of like a built-in, you know, process. Now I will say I do not like robo advising. I, I'm not a fan of your wealth simples or automated e-trades where they place you somewhere based on your age and whatever, because that's for their best interest, not yours. And I can speak to that firmly. I always say like, well, simple, don't sue me. But, you know, they have amazing marketing for people to get them like thinking about investing. But you're going to see a 1% return there sometimes when you're seeing like 20% with TD, because they have different goals in mind. And really, it's for them and their platform. So might not be your best interest to do the robo route because you don't get any autonomy over where you're actually investing. They choose that for you. And that's not something that I really believe in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is all really, really helpful and great. And I love that you mentioned um, just to get granular for anybody who's like listening and was like, well, let's talk about money. How much? I know it's different for every person because you broke down so easily to understand, right? Like, okay, once we figure out what's going on, we can figure out how much you have to allocate to investing. But is it as simple for, you know, somebody who does have that privilege? Is it just two or $300 a month? Like, what are we talking about on a baseline level that people should like? Because I'm sure some people listening, I'm sure I've thought when I was younger, I was like, well, I just don't $100. That's nothing, right? To invest. But can $100, $200, $300 each month lead to something great? Yeah. Like I have goosebumps right now because I go through this compound interest calculator with my students and my program. And really, I should put it, I think I'm going to after this podcast, I'm going to have my team put it in my bio on social media. Because if you have a calculator and there's there's a space in the calculator where it says prior investments, number can be zero. Okay, zero. And then you can put in two, $300 a month. You put in an amount, a percentage, which through the bank, I can show you funds or they can show you, okay, this fund makes 10% a year. You put 10% a year and you can toggle like, okay, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 35, 36, crash calculate. And you're going to see that the amount earned in interest is millions. It's not, it's not thousands or hundreds of dollars. It's like 1.7 million in interest where you only saved or invested like 200 grand in your life. So these numbers, and this has been since stock market has been around and since like 1920, these numbers have existed. So there's a reason. And now that I'm in my thirties and I've used my investments for homes and whatever, I know that it works. And these aren't my numbers. These are the bank's numbers that they have to report to you. So I'm a numbers person. And again, the abundance mindset is there, but when I'm looking at the numbers, it's pretty foolproof when you have time on your side. And the funny thing is you can start with $50 or $100 and you do that from age 20 to 25. Then at 25, you get a job and you're like, okay, I'm going to do 250 now. 25 to 30, you do 250 a month. Okay, now you're in your 30s. I'm going to up it to three, $400 and my partner's going to do the same. And then, you know, it can, it can change. That number can change, which means your snowball that's going to compound, it's going to get bigger. And there's also what people don't realize is 
if I put that number to 35 years and then I'm like, okay, 65, I'm done. I'm going to retire or 60. You don't take all of it out. You're not taking $2 million and running around with it. You're using it then to pay for your life. So you might only take out, okay, you know what? I want 70 grand a year from my investments to spend and play with and live. The other 1.9 million or whatever sits there and continues to compound. So it's not a one and done situation. It's not, you have to pick how much now, and that's the number that it's going to be for the rest of your life that you contribute. You don't even have to put it in the same place. As you get older, you can be more risk averse and, and go lower risk. As you get older, you can start pulling from there and be like, you know what, 200,000 coming with me. The rest of it can sit there. So there's not a one and done situation. And as you get older, when that nest egg is there for you, you also probably own a home, you have CPP or EI or whatever coming to you. And you have a partner eventually who might be investing too. So really just setting yourself up with the automation of like, I don't want to look at that. It's like my phone bill that I pay every month, knowing that you're going to be fine for retirement. Like how much do you really need, you know, is very powerful. And I think that this is something, why don't they tell us when we're 16, 17, 18, if you put a hundred dollars from now until you're 50, you guys are all going to be wealthy. All of you, all of you will be wealthy. They don't teach us that. And I don't know why. And I struggle with, you know, I thought when I was younger, maybe it's not true. You know, maybe they don't say it just in case it doesn't happen. I mean, the stock market hasn't, we've gone through a pandemic. Last year was like recession fear. This year, the markets are up like seven, 8%. We're only May. So, you know, there's going to be some years of volatility, but when you have 10, 20, 30 years to wait, it's like, okay, like you can take a slap in the face every eight years. Just don't pay attention to it. Yeah. I was going to say that's, that's good advice. Cause sometimes I look and I'm like, ah! you know, in the last <laughs> couple of years as things, you know, sometimes the markets are volatile and, um, Yeah. I, I'm, and I didn't start, I, cause, okay. So I actually have a question and I'm going to ask it on behalf of, um, freelancers. Uh, so I think oftentimes like financial budgeting is done based on, um, salary. It's very easy when you can know exactly what is coming in, but as someone who's built my work and now have a small business also with courageous wellness, um, I, I would have years where, I, I was always a freelancer. I always did project oriented work. And so as much as I was able to sort of estimate based on what was coming in, sometimes way more was coming in, sometimes way less, right? It was like, (laughs) sometimes as a freelancer, it's feast or famine, or as an artist, it's feast or famine. So creating kind of, um, like budgets around that was always a little challenging because you don't actually know what to expect next month or the next month. Um, you have to plan for that too. So I guess if anybody's first part is if anybody is, uh, earns income, but not in sort of a salaried based position, um, is there a way that you like approach that so that you know, I think sometimes it's easy to be like, well, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. So I just got to like get by with what I have now. And then the second thing was when we were talking about the markets, obviously there are years of volatility last year, 
was a little tough. Um, I know a lot of people lost a lot of money, but like, you know, I waited till my thirties to open up a, um, retirement account for myself. And, but once I did, I was like looking at, cause it was connected to some other accounts. I was like looking at like daily. I, if I logged in, I could see what was going on. And my husband was like, stop looking <laughs> like in 30, in 30 years, it'll matter. And so, um, just, so it made me laugh. So if there's, I guess two questions. One, if you don't have that sort of steady salary, how do you approach, um, even just like a budget? And then second, if there is volatility and you see your investments decreasing, do you have any advice just to like, as far as getting through? Cause I think people like sometimes freak out and want to bail, which is like not the point of investing. So, yeah. so good questions again, such good questions. And I'm happy that you didn't send me any of these before. So I didn't have like, <laughs> it's better because I can bring in like real time answers to you and what I would say um, funny, I'm actually self-employed as well, even though the investment bank is an employer, I have my consulting at Airbnb and I invoice everybody. So I've had to learn like you, how to navigate through this. So for me, it's the same. And I have this monthly budgeting document that I usually work with clients to do, go through and send to them, but you could do it yourself where anybody there's a tab for uh, fixed salary people, which like really nice for them. You know, there's a tab for flex salary people like us, and it has two separate budgets on it. And it has tight months, like tight months. This is, we don't know what's going to happen, but like likely minimum that I'm going to earn. And then we have abundant months. So I don't ever go with like the tightest month I've ever had because that's likely not going to happen. And I don't ever go with the most abundant month. I've ever had, I kind of find a realistic, okay, this is what this looks like for me. This is what this looks like for me. I get that bottom line number anyway. And I figure out more so like percentages of them versus amounts with fixed income people. And I am prepared if I have a tight month, I know what that looks like for me. I know where my modifications need to be made. I know what I cannot do the next month following that. And then my abundant month, I know that I give myself permission to invest some more, or I put it in a different account so that when I do have a tight month, the number that I'm investing every month remains the same. So I go with the conservative approach where if it's a tighter month, what would I be okay investing? Will it come back the next month so that, you know, it's not going to make or break the bank? What am I comfortable with in my tight month? And then what am I comfortable with in my abundant month? If those numbers to me feel aligned and feel good, that's the minimum that I put into my long-term and short-term investments. And then when I do have an abundant month, I can decide at that point, do I want to put a few hundred dollars more in here? Do I have things coming up? Do I want to save it for a month that I'm not making as much? So I also used to work in hospitality when I was in university. I bartended. And I had this $100 rule. And I, it's always so funny because I bartended with tons of people in Toronto. And some of them were all in different places now that it's been like 10 years. And they're like, Tara, you own like two properties and you live in Mexico. And you live, like, we had the same job. What did you do with your differently than me? And like, it's very evident that I took the tips and the money and I pulled them into assets and invested them 
whereas other people weren't. And now 10 years later, you can really see the difference that did for me. So it's, it's, it's as I get older, you really do see it's not the everyday refresh. I wouldn't have known back then that this was even going to pay off for me. But it did looking back. So I had this thing called the 100 rule. And everybody who does service oriented work or hospitality or I would save my tips to the 100. Every 100 rounded would go to the bank. And the remaining would go to the wallet. So if it was a day I made like 290, 90 went to me, 200 went to the bank. If I made 405, five went to me, 400 went to the bank. So I had in my wallet over like five days of work, whatever it was, and that was my spending for the week, but I was working. The rest of it went to the bank. And then I would look weekly or monthly or whatever and allocate it that way into savings and investings and it wasn't in my wallet to spend. So I felt like that helped me manage my finances a lot when I was young and it was just cash, you know? So same could be said with somebody who does coaching or whatever, like first 500 goes to the bank. Anything on top of that this month goes to me or, yeah. you know, if your service is 160, 60 to you, 100 to the bank type of type of situation just to give yourself make yourself feel like I earned something I'm paying myself like a business but I'm making sure that I'm monitoring my spend so that's kind of what I would suggest for people who are flex salary and how you can kind of manage that flow a little bit better we want to share how excited we are to offer our community 20% off their first quarter at Sakara with code XO courageous. We have been big fans of the company for years and the Sakara life organic meal delivery program is based on a whole food plant rich diet that includes fresh nutrient dense and delicious ingredients. It's perfect for those weeks you need a refresh or don't have time to meal prep. They also have a clean boutique, which offers delicious food forward bars, snacks, beauty water drops, and my personal favorite metabolism super powder, which works to fire up your metabolism, stabilize blood sugar, eliminate bloat and decrease puffiness. The naturally rich low sugar, dark chocolate flavor is perfect for smoothies or simply mixed with coffee and nut milk. I also regularly use the Sakar cookbook full of plant-rich recipes, which you can purchase on their website. Click the link in our show notes to visit sakara.com and use code XO courageous for 20% off your first order. We know you will love it as much as we do. When we talk about volatility, the funny thing is that when people get spooked and they look at a year like 2020 and they look at a year like last year, people who sold scared because it was going right down. It went right down. We were like a V in 2020 it shot down and then shot up. If you sold on the way down, you didn't get the benefit of 44% second half of the year on the way up. You already sold. So you maintain a loss the whole time. And to get back in now, by the time you see it go back up, you're buying at the top. You sold at the bottom. You're buying at the top because now your mind says it's safe. And then we see 2022, we go back down. So, ah, we sell again. So now you've lost twice in a row because now your body and your brain says, you know, this is not safe for me to be here. If you're not paying attention and you're looking at your calculator and your process and you know that bad years are going to happen, 
I'm going to lose money this year, but it's unrealized. I'm not selling. So really it's like, Oh, it's just a number on in a bank statement. Not you're not selling yet. If you're selling and you need it and you're 65 and that's your year, you might have to make some changes to wait it out another year or two. But for us in our twenties and our thirties, that like that, I don't care. Like my brother will complain, Tara, I lost so much. I sold this. Like you should see what I lost, you know, like, and I'm sitting here and I'm sticking it out and I'm still maintaining my plan because if you sell at the bottom, likely you're not going back in because by the time you look again, it's way higher. And for example, if you're in a fund as well, and you're like, well, it went down 35% last year, I'm selling this one. I'm going to buy something safer. Okay, well, you bought something safer. And I looked at these funds in TD last week. One of them went down 35% last year. One of them went down 14%. My client was like, okay, should I have sold this one because it's down 35 and bought this one for a safer bet? This year, we're looking 2023 now, the one that went down 35% is up 21% year to date. Mm. The one that she was going to sell to buy into to feel safer is up 7% year to date. So you're tripling, 7, 14, 12, tripling your return in the up year if you stick to the same place that you're investing. If she would have sold and then bought back in, so now you've lost 35 and you're only up seven. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. stick to it. If you're going to well, pick something that you like, stick to it because the upside is going to be just as much as the downside. So you want to be there for the upswing. Yeah, that makes sense. And I... I imagine that's why working with someone you trust is really important because they obviously help guide you. And I guess that brings me to my last question, just because I wrote down something you mentioned, and I want to make sure if anyone in our audience was like, oh, well, I do that, that we have an answer, a solution for them. You mentioned um, the robo firms, right? Like the E-Trades and how they're not your favorite for, for the reasons mentioned, right? Like they don't really give you as much bang for your buck. So what would you suggest? But they also, as you mentioned, are kind of an easy entry point. And maybe that's why some of our listeners are like, oh, well, that's how I entered. Um, What would you recommend doing instead if working with an individual is still too intimidating? What is What are people's other options other than those robo firms like E-Trade or Simply, I think you mentioned as well? So I think, yeah, well, simple is one of them. And this is the reason, and I know that like, don't sue me, not financial advice, but um, the the thing that I would ask those people is ask well, sim- well, simple and find out where you're investing. Where do they have you investing? Because most often the wealth simples or those robo, they don't, they're not clear on where you're investing. It's like, this is a good asset mix for you. You have no idea. I had no idea when I had a client come to me and say, it was 2021. And she said, Tara, the market is up 27%. My bank funds are up 27%. My Simple account is up 1.5%. Like, can you tell me what's going on and what do I do here? Like, this is a good year in the market and I- I'm only up one. And I said, okay, pull your portfolio. Let's go through it on the call so I can see what you're invested in. And then I can have more clarity. She couldn't. There was no clear directive of where you're invested. It said stocks, bonds, GICs, but what stocks, what bonds, what GICs, how much of it is in global markets, you know, because there's a Russia-Ukraine war been going on. There's a pandemic that's been going on. 
how much is Wealth Simple putting you in global equities when you have no business being in global equities? And it took her having to go back and chat with their chat team and call assistants just to find out where her money was going. And so that to me, not comfortable. Don't love that. That's the reason why I'm not even able to say like, why are you making such a low return? Those companies like Wealth Simple, their job is to not lose you money. So although like they can say five years, like positive returns, okay, the return is one and a half percent. Like, you know, it's like for their marketing and for which I get, they're a corporation that wants to say like we return positive. But when you have a fund at TD that's making 21% in four months and you're at 1% positive return, but like, what are you doing for your people? So these are the reasons why it's not just, I don't like that. Say someone pays me to say that it's, I have gone through the process of understanding why would you pick that for a 25 year old girl? Why would you put her in bonds and global equities? And I know listeners might not understand what that means, but from me that understands what that means, that's not the best fit for you. I know that right away. So uh, it's like giving someone celiac bread and being like, be careful. This is good though. Someone said it was good for you. So it's, that's the kind of comparison. And I know that to be true, that it's not looking out for your best interest. So I would say, find out if you can, where you're investing. And I'm always happy to, if people are intimidated by one-to-one sessions or, you know, don't have the money for them or whatever, I'm always happy to, if someone sends me an email or a DM and they're like, Hey, can you just send me a voice note or like review this quickly? Yeah, I'm happy to do that because I can tell in 30 seconds, like what's going on and why or why not that serves you versus, you know, having to sit through an hour call. So I'm happy to do that. And B, go through your home bank because there are options with every home bank that you can see exactly what you're investing in, what exact stocks are within that fund. Are they Canada or US or global? What is the return on average? What has been the return the last 10 years? What would would 10,000 turn into it over 10 years? You can see everything through your home bank because it's regulated differently. Whereas with the Wealth Simple, you don't have autonomy to see exactly where you're investing. And that to me is, is the biggest issue is you're telling people it's a safe place to start. And it's, it's essentially like a glorified savings account is what I say. So great that it's encouraging people to save and to get comfortable with investing, but you're not, you're not doing them justice. The people are putting money there for you and you're taking their years of how they could be making 27% in 2021. And this is not anything fancy. It's just like picking a different place to put your money. So I think going to your home bank, understanding where you are with like what you're investing in, in these, in these kind of robo accounts. So, you know, like guys, you shouldn't be investing really in global equities. If you're a young person living in Canada, the U S there's no reason for you to be investing in Germany or Russia or like, it's not going to serve you, honestly, you know, there's no reason for someone in their twenties to be in a portfolio that's bonds because they clicked. I don't want any risk. Okay. They don't know what they're doing. That's why it's not that they're 65 and should be in the safest, you know, they have time. You should be educating them instead of just placing them in. And you never know what those wealth simples or E-Trades, like, do they get paid to put people in these funds? Is there like a bonus if they, if they raise a hundred million dollars through wealth simple and put it in global equities, 
Do they get a kickback? Like, I don't know. It's not transparent. And yeah. so that all of those things make me like red flag alert. Yeah. I think that that's good advice and the transparency makes a lot of sense. And also just like the ability to know where your money is going from a, like, I don't know, you might not want it to be invested in certain things just from like um, an ethical point of view too. So um, I think that's, that's really great information for everybody to have. And um, we could talk to you forever, but <laughs> as we wrap up, we have a uh, three kind of quick wrap up questions we ask all of our guests. So I'll start with the first one. Um, you are a busy woman uh, and you also travel the world living in Mexico right now. Um, what are your daily self-care practices and do you have any non-negotiables in that? Yeah. So I, I've been working on this as of late because I'm not that routine oriented, but I've started therapy this year, which is the first time in my thirties. And she has given me so many coping mechanisms to slow down breath work, ice cubes, you know, along the chest, cold showers in the morning. So I've been starting to integrate a little bit more of nervous system training into my days to be able to manage my mental health. And I've noticed a, a really huge difference. I love that. You're speaking my language. <laughs> um, the next question we always ask is, what does being courageous mean to you? Yeah, so I think for me, being courageous, and I've listened to your podcast, so I know that this is one of them, one courageous story, you know, at a time. But I think for me, it's it's growing up in a place where I wasn't told and taught about a lot of these things. And I was still taught to be confident, but I didn't really know what that meant. And now being in my 30s and have listened to myself, I think my biggest courage story is that when people told me, don't do that, not a good idea. Why are you moving to Mexico? It's unsafe. This is not a good place for your money. I kind of have really developed a great ability to block it and ignore the validation from outside, approval from outside, and make sure that like my gut check is on point. And I think that has taken a lot of courage because it upsets and disappoints a lot of people. And when you don't seek approval from outside sources, it offends people. And, you know, I think having courage to still stick to my guns and be me and go through that has been pivotal for me in my life. Thank you. Um, and then the final question is, do you have a book recommendation for our audience? It can be on anything really, something that's just meant something to you or, or in the financial realm as well. Yeah, not a financial one, but if anybody has read The Four Agreements, mm. and I don't know if this has probably been recommended by like half the people on your podcast, <laughs> but I read it for the first time when I was in Asia, going through a really bad separation situation, and I was by myself in Asia, and no one could contact me. I was having a midlife crisis. I was 27, and I was reading The Four Agreements, and since then, it has been a game changer in the way that I feel, the way that I intake information, the way that I output and say things to people. So I think if you have not read the four agreements, take time and be mindful when you're reading it, because the lessons in there will create, you know, a much more peaceful life. Thank you. That's great. And actually recently we just got 
recommended it again. So it is popular. Can I ask before we officially close, what is your astrological sign? I'm so curious. I'm an Aries. You're an Aries like Allie. Very cool. Very cool. Um, okay. So officially, if anyone wants to find you, follow you, work with you, where can they do all of the things? So my name is Tara Marie Murphy. And so my website and my social media is also Tara Marie Murphy. Very easy to find. And myself and my team are on top of that kind of stuff all the time. So if anybody ever has a question or a comment or wants to know where they can find the calculator or the resources, please message me. I encourage this conversation. There's, you know, not fine friends included. I'm not here to promote coaching. I have a million jobs, but I want to help anybody that I can. So, so don't feel bad reaching out, please. Thank you, Tara. And thanks for all your kind of great wisdom and advice today. Welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.